Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. At four years old, my daddy can do anything. At seven years old, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. At eight years old, my father doesn't quite know everything. (laughs) Twelve years old, oh well, naturally dad doesn't know everything. Fourteen years old, father, hopelessly old-fashioned. Twenty-one years old, oh, that man is out of date. (laughs) What did you expect from dad? Twenty-five years old, he knows a little bit about it but not much. 30 years old. Must find out what dad thinks about it. 35 years old. A little patience. Let's get dad's meaning first. 50 years old. What would dad thought about that one? 60 years old. My dad literally knew everything. 65 years old. I wish I could talk it over with dad once more. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty good. You guys like that one as well, huh? You don't say any of that about your dad. I know where you guys are all at. My daddy knows everything. Can't get any amens on that. Luke chapter 15. (laughs) Luke chapter 15. This has been preached. Many a times, it's a very familiar and popular passage of scripture. It's often preached looking at the prodigal son, or it's preached by looking at the prodigal's older son. This morning, I'd like to take a bit of a applicable twist to the father of the prodigal son. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, starting at verse number 11, And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow me, and he divided unto them living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, many, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare. And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And he bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be married. 
Now the elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, and he answered and said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. As soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf? And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. We're going to look at this as our first point of this passage. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Bible says, Thou shalt also consider in thy heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Do you know when I looked up the word correcteth, the meaning of the word, part of the meaning of the word is the act of bringing back. And as fathers, our corrective measures should be like our heavenly father's corrective measures. The act or the art of bringing somebody back. This has been lost, I believe, in our society. Maybe the reason our children don't respect authority, maybe the reason our children don't obey what is in front of them or obey the Lord is because too many fathers have neglected their role to correct. Correct as the art or the act of bringing back. If you want relevance, if you want to teach relevance as a father, it can't be do this. It has to be watch me do this and then you can follow and do this. We can talk it, we can preach it, we can, but if we don't live it, if we don't walk it as fathers, as men, then all we are doing is giving our children lip service and they will see right through the hypocrisy of it. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter number six. And I know this is the Old Testament, but I would like you to see a pattern. I would like you to see what God said to his people, the nation, in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now look, I'm a homeschool dad. 
homeschooling isn't my gospel, okay? I have a gospel. We preach that, try to get it all over our whole town. But this is a favorite verse of homeschool dads, that one right there. We neglect. I'm not against anybody. Look, my, my kid can learn piano from somebody else. I don't have to teach them everything. But if I don't teach them spiritual things, they will not be able to zero in and laser in on that's false. This is a spiritual application that we as men, we as fathers, mothers same can get the same principle. But Father's Day, well, we're going to pick on the dads. Uh, if we fail to teach our children spiritual things, we've failed as a father. It's not, well, I bring them to church and the preacher will do it. No, we have to sit down with them. We have to open up the Bible with them. We have to say, thus saith the Lord. Now, obviously, you want the preacher to back up, Dad. And if both the preacher and both the father are in the word of God and the family is in the word of God and we're rightly dividing the word of truth, then for the most part, we should be on the same page. One will complement the other. Too many dads have neglected their role as a father, as a spiritual head, as a spiritual leader of their home. How do I do that? It's simple. Everybody's got a kitchen table. <laughs> Everybody's got a front porch. Everybody's got a passenger seat. Everybody's got a bench out back. You just sit down with them and open up the word. But we must teach them spiritual things. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want you to imagine for a second your son came home and said, Dad, I'm out of here. I don't like you or your rules. And by the way, I want you to finance my rebellion. Give me my money. That's basically what the prodigal son said. I can tell you what I would have done. Get out of here. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Take a hike. That'd be my, that'd be my first reaction. That'd be, that would be my fleshly reaction. The whole attitude behind the prodigal son was, I want my portion and I want out of here. You know what the father said? Okay. If you want to be an adult, here's your portion. He didn't get snarky with him. He didn't get rebellious back to his rebellious boy we don't know what the prodigal son problem was we don't know what his rebellious past was that brought it to this but can i make this application maybe the father of that prodigal son didn't forget where he came from maybe the father of that prodigal son remembered his rebellion the bible doesn't tell us specifically but maybe he was thinking i know what it's like to disobey and disrespect my dad i know what it feels like to be my to want so desire to be my own person 
I want my own independence. Maybe he remembered back to the time when, yep, I used to fight and bicker with my brothers and my sisters and my mom and my dad. The Bible doesn't give us specifics on what the father thought, but I can't help to when I try to draw out some practical application. For us fathers, we can't forget where we came from. I don't think the father was a Calvinist either. He understood free will. He understood that that son had to make his own choice. He didn't agree with his choice, but he respected his individuality. And he divided out what was his, gave it to him, says goodbye. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. The act of bringing back. Who would have thought at this point in the story, the father divides out his portion, he takes off. If that's all we were left with, you, you think we'd figure out the ending? No, I mean, God gives it to us. It doesn't, it doesn't start off well. Second point I'd like to make is fathers, when your children get to a certain age, don't stand between them and the hog pen. The father had the money. The father had the servants. The father had all of the resources that he needed. He could have sent people to watch his kid. He could have sent people out to give him back a report. What's he doing? What's he up to? He didn't do any of that. He didn't stand in the way of his son getting to the hog pen. He didn't give him a he didn't give him him an emotional guilt trip either. Do you know how hard I worked? Do you know your mother and I and then we have this money and now we're going to give it to you and you're going to go out and waste it? Did he have an emotional meltdown? Did he try to give his son a guilt trip? He didn't. Here's your money. If they had hell phones and they had the, you know, the worldwide uh, web of uh, the Internet back then, that father wouldn't have been the one sending the text messages. Where are you at? You OK? He wouldn't have been sending the emails. What's going on? Here's your portion. You just let him go. He didn't stand between his son and the hog pen. There was no bribery. He wasn't sending his wife out to find out where he's at and fix him a hot meal and put it behind the tree. So he, he wasn't doing any of that. Just go, you, okay, here you go. Here you go. The toughest part of fatherhood is when your children get old enough and you have to be willing to say, you want to be free, be free. You want to be in control, be in control. You want to have it your way, have it your way. You want the money? Here's the money. And you just got to let them go. You don't want any protection from this ungodly world? Then go after it. No father's happy about it. No father wants it. No father prays for it. Every father dreads it. But if it comes to that point, father of the prodigal son was willing to say, here's your portion. I could never do that. Why? They're going to rebel anyway. What, do you think you're going to stop them? Somebody gets something in their heart. I don't care 
if you put Bible in front of them all day, if they don't want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. I can't, you can't, nobody can force somebody's heart to feel a certain way and respond a certain way. Except God and God's Holy Spirit. When it gets to a certain point, all you can do is pray and hope and plead with God that God would get a hold of their life. What did I do wrong? Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you did everything right, but you're not entitled to have everything go your way. And that's the hardest thing for a dad to accept. I put all this time. I put all this training. I invested all of this money. I rearranged my life for you. And you want to go. Happy Father's Day. That hurts. That hurts. It will hurt any reasonable, logical thinking father. It hurts. But this wise father gives the type of advice that I think that we can all learn from. Both parents, mother and father, we can all learn from. Son, daughter, I love you. Son, I trained you. Son, we went to church. Son, we did this together. I don't want this for you. Please reconsider. Please. And if you won't, you got to know that I love you. You got to know that I'm praying for you. And you got to know I'll always receive you back. But if you want to go, okay. I don't agree. I don't want, but okay. Whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. The act of bringing back. Look at chapter number eight, uh, uh, verse number 18 in chapter number 15. The Bible says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. When your son's ready to come back and say, I have sinned, you better not say, well, it's about time. You're darn right you sinned. It's about time you got your sorry self back here and got right. Did that father do that? He didn't. We can learn a lot from this prodigal father. You better be ready to receive him with a forgiving spirit, with arms wide open, just like the Lord did for you. First John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Colossians 3.13, the Bible says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Look at verse number 20 in Luke chapter 15. And he arose and came to his father. But he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You see that? He was yet a great way off. His father saw him. Most parents think like this. 
they have a point. It's called the breaking point. It's when dad snaps. But do you see where it says he was yet a great way off? His father saw him. This father wasn't thinking, you better get away from me. When things heated up, I can't see this father saying to his young child, why don't you go take a nap? Get away from me. It wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the attitude of, or the parenting philosophy that says, look, I'm patient up to this point. I'll tolerate you up to this point. And then once it gets to this point, the lid is flipped. I can't see that father doing that. We better communicate to our children that we are not going to give up on them. He was yet a great way off, and his father saw him. Don't give up on your son. Don't give up on your daughter. But she's doing this, but he's doing that. What were you doing? This father didn't forget where he came from. This father is looking and longing and waiting for his son to come home. We can't give up on our children. Don't give up on them. They come back home. Receive them. Receive them. John 16 says, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We need to learn to man up and deal with problems. Life is going to be tough, dads. Raising children is not all. Uh, it's. When the Bible says train them up. It doesn't say play them up. It's not all playground stuff. It's not all coloring books. It's not all walks in the park it's not all fishing trips now all that stuff needs to be there but the bible says to train them up it's training training is difficult does anybody ever train on something it's hard it requires sweat equity it requires time you want to get good at the piano you've got to train you've got to put time into it you got to do the same thing with our children he was at a great way off he saw him he's looking every day this father didn't have a breaking point. He knew that in the world he'd have tribulation, but he was willing to deal with it. He had a cheerful, hopeful attitude, and he kept looking, wanting, and longing for his son. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. The ark, or the act of bringing back. Luke chapter 15, look at verse number 21. Let's read it together. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat. There's no period after eat. Because then it says, and be merry. Fathers, are you happy this morning? Do you have some merriment? I'm telling you, this father had some joy. He was willing and ready and wanting to be merry. <laughs> we can all get a hold of that. 
Your son's home. What's there to think about? It's time to be married. I'm trying to figure out why he came home. He just said, I have sinned. It's time to be married. Don't try to figure out, well, he's going to have to really earn it. He's going to have to really show me he's going to work on the family farm. I'm going to have to really see some proof that he wants to be here. No, he came home. He said he sinned. It's time to be married. Married. It's a good thing to do as a dad. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. If you're saved this morning, your transgressions have been removed from you. When you come to God in prayer, when you opened your Bible to read God's word, when you fellowship with the saints, when you come together and you want to commune with God, he doesn't hold it against you and say, well, how much did you do for me this week? Let me really see. No. Did you say you've sinned? As far as the east is from the west. God's not remembering the dumb stuff you did, and he's not remembering the stupid stuff I did. And testifying and being a good edifier to the saints isn't going back and digging up all the stupid stuff and sinful, wicked stuff that we did or thought about. It's done. It's done. We want to get a hold of that as a father. It's welcoming them back with open arms. Not with, here's the list of stuff that you did that we're going to have to talk about. Boy. There's, there's a time for talks. But this father gets a hold of being married at the appropriate time. He don't have to prove himself. He said, I have sinned. The other thing I'd like to look at this morning is, fathers, mothers, we're going to have to learn to live with the unknown. There is ambiguity built in every single relationship on this earth. The ambiguity is this. It's the double meaning. We all know what this looks like because when somebody says something, you think to yourself, well, did he mean this or did he mean that? You know how it goes. You use words or somebody uses words on you or says words to you. And you're thinking, well, that could have mean this and that could have mean that. that. Happens all the time in text messaging because you lose the context of face to face. You lose the context of voice tone. You lose the context of body language. And you read it and you're like, well, wait. And then you got to text them back. What do you mean by that? It's ambiguity. You don't know. We need to be careful about building ambiguity into things that aren't, you don't need to build it into. He said, I have sinned. What do you think the Lord says? What do you mean by that? Look, he knows our heart. He can search us and understand us. But this father, imagine being this father. His son says, give me my money. I'm out. And I want you to finance it. You know how much that tears the dad up? He's praying, he's hoping, all this. His son returns. 
oh, great, it's time to be married. Except the older one's going to start fussing. Now the dad's like, well, for me, it's are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? After all we've been through, and we're right back to the same thing. This father knows how to deal with the ambiguity, the unknown, the double meaning. What's going to happen next? I don't know how it's going to go. Either do I. That's why when people put these seminars on and write these books, look, I read books, but I filter it through God's word, and I'm realistic with expectations, and I know that God is my heavenly father, and no father on this earth is going to have all the answers to everything. So look, go to seminars, read books, do all that. But I'm just telling you that when somebody comes across like they have all the answers, they don't. And you can't be a father that – I want my kids to be safe. Every dad wants that. I want to be protected from the evils of the world. I don't want to be influenced by false teaching. I don't want any of that. But you think putting them in a bubble is going to protect them? It's not. It's not. You have to train them and teach them. That's evil. You have to train them and teach them. Look, we're going to go out into the world. And we're going to give people gospel tracks. But you're going to see people not dressing right. You're going to see people not talking right. You're going to see people smoking things they, don't, they ought not smoke. You're going to see people buying things they ought not buy. You're going to hear people talking about things they ought not talk about. So we just isolate ourselves and stay in our home, lock ourselves in the basement like Joe Hyden. You know, how's that going to work out? It's not going to work out good. You have to be able to train them and teach them so that they're so strong they recognize that and say, I have no interest in that. I know that's wrong. I know my dad taught me that that's evil. And they're strong young people for it. Now, somebody's weak in an area, obviously, you don't put somebody weak in a situation where they're not going to be able to handle it. This dad, he's just got it. You know what he says? Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. He don't argue with him. He just keeps doing right. He just keeps praying. All that I have is thine. Look, you're going to get your money and guess what you're going to do? Whatever you want to do, just like the younger one did. And I thought that was some pretty good fatherhood stuff. But that's not the end of it. Because look back at the beginning of the entire chapter. Look back at the beginning of the entire chapter. Verse number one. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And I'm reading this passage and I'm saying, you know, I've heard sermons on the prodigal son. I've heard sermons on the older son. I want to preach on the father. And then when I go back to the beginning of the chapter, 
Jesus gave them this parable so that they would get off their high horse of Phariseeism and see that Jesus will receive sinners. And this father is a father is as a picture of Jesus Christ receiving the sinner who would come to him or come back to him. It is right to receive sinners. Fathers, if you are not ready to receive your son or receive your daughter back when they have done wrong and they have come to you and said, I repent, I am sorry. Don't you dare expect them to buy into your preaching and teaching that says Jesus will save whosoever will. They're not going to buy it because they don't see you walk the walk. They see you run your mouth and jibber jabber and live a hypocritical life, but you won't live like Jesus wants you to live. Yet we want them to live like Jesus says. And Jesus Christ always has the perfect answer. And these wiseacre Pharisees, Jesus hands them their butt every single time. Can you say that in church? I don't know if that's good father or not. But look, he brings them back to the beginning of the chapter and says, it is right to receive sinners. If there's a sinner and I can sit down and share a meal with them, I'm doing it. And I'm going to tell them, Jesus Christ will receive you as a sinner. Now, you got to remember a few things. Verse number 12, sinners are selfish. Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. It's all about the sinner. Sinners are wasteful. Look at verse number 13. He wasted his substance with riotous living. Sinners waste time. Sinners waste their future. I didn't get saved till I was almost 27 years old. I wasted time. I wasted substance. And as a result, I shaved off years of my life that could have been used for living for the Lord. Don't be wasteful. Don't waste time. But sinners are selfish. Sinners are wasteful. Verse number 14, sinners need a famine. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and they began to be in one. The famine causes us to think. The famine causes us to have to consider our sinful ways. You got comfort, you don't need it. You got money, you don't need it. You know why you don't need it? You know why you need the famine as a sinner? Because all the comfort in the world will cause you to think, I don't need God. All the money in the world will cause you to think, I don't need God. And we've got a bunch of rich, spoiled American brats that don't think they need God. Daddy pays for their car. Daddy pays for their insurance. Daddy pays for their college. Daddy covers their butt when they get in trouble. And God says, don't be a wasteful sinner. God says, you need a famine to come into your life so that you can see God is greater and has something better for you. You're going to be left broke. And you're going to be left with nothing. And that's why you and I needed the family. Whatever it is that came up in our life for us to see no righteousness. No holiness. We're just wretched men and women in the midst of a famine. Trapped. 
in the sinful flesh. And in a world that hates you, hates our God, and will give you nothing. Sinners are selfish. Sinners are wasteful. Sinners need a famine. Verse number 15, sinners join themselves always to wrong people or wrong things. Watch what verse 15 says, joined himself to a citizen of that country. When it was all done, he returned to God. There's going to be something or someone that will draw you away from God, and you're going to join yourself to that. God's ready to receive you if you come to him. But you must come to him, verse number 17, and when he came to himself, that's repentance. He came to himself. You can't present the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and leave out repentance. He became very aware. He came to himself. The father wasn't there with a script that said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all going out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Now repeat these words and now you're saved. The father didn't do that. He came to himself. He had the awareness. It wasn't repeat this prayer, do these things. He came to a real awareness. Verse number 17 shows us repentance is necessary. He perishes with hungry. He's hungry for God. That's where the sinner has to come to the place of. Not trying to be mean or doom and gloom and Mr. Negative and all the terms that they come up with when someone just tries to present the truth of the Bible. God is willing to save anyone who will come to him. But this modern junk of trying to attract people and tell them that they're really a good person. God loves you because you're a big snuggly marshmallow is a bunch of fooey. You have got to come to yourself and know you've got nothing. But I do think I'm pretty good. Okay, you haven't come to yourself. Take your money and go. Get to the hog pen so that you finally find your need for the Savior. Right about now, I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to make it worse. Because I'm going to say, it's 12 o'clock. Everybody's starting to salivate already. It's lunchtime. <laughs> People are salivating even more. It's Father's Day. The restaurants are going to be busy. I'm salivating even more because now I'm going to have to wait 35 minutes for my steak. So there, happy, happy Father's Day. When you're hungry, when you are hungry, I just did it to myself, you will do just about anything it takes to get to food. And this idea of trying to make it so palatable to people where we don't give them any type of appetite for God is just shallow, easy believism. It is easy to believe, and salvation is simple. But when you hunger for God and the Holy Spirit is drawing upon you, 
you will repent. You will repent and you will come to yourself. But God is willing, verse number 17, how many hired servants of my fathers have bred enough and despair. God will save anybody. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him. And you know what he found out? The character of his father. And you know what he found out? The father was willing to receive him. Just like Jesus tried to tell the Pharisees in the beginning. It is right to receive sinners. The son sees his need. But when the son has repentance and he turns toward the father and he goes back home. When his father receives him, that son sees for real the true character of his father. Nothing worse than an absent father. Nothing worse than an angry, mean, provoking father. The Bible warns us about that. There's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse for a woman to be trapped on this earth with just an angry, bitter man. It's angry and bitter and mean to his children. It's a horrible thing. The wife finds out his true character. The children find out his true character. And they don't want anything to do with that. When it's Father's Day, what can we get on Amazon and send him something? So we don't have to get together face to face because he's going to have another blowout. He's going to find something else that we don't do that isn't good enough for him. And I'm telling you, it is right to receive sinners. And when that son came to that father, he saw the true character of his father. I am ready to receive you, son. You don't have to go work out in the barn. Here's a robe and here's a ring. And by the way, here's some new shoes. And I'm telling you, if you come to God as a sinner and you repent, the Bible says repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You will see the true character of God because he will not turn you away. He will receive you a robe of righteousness. You'll have your feet shod now with the gospel of peace and you can go out and preach. It. That son saw the true character of his father. May we be that father. He comes. He's willing. He confesses his sin. He's not deceiving on how he can hide anything. He says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And the Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. True repentance is not something you argue somebody into. True repentance is not something that you just say, repeat this prayer. Repentance is not something you force. The sinner must willingly and the sinner must voluntarily come to the Lord and say, I resolve, I must arise, I must go, I must say. And with a true repentant heart, he turns towards God and he puts all his faith in what God can do for him. And you know what God does? By his grace, he saves that sinner. Well, isn't repentance a work? No. You turn toward God. And if God didn't have grace to save, you would drop right into the pit of hell. Isn't faith a work? No. You can come and have faith in God. But if God isn't gracious and God doesn't save you by his grace, 
He will drop you right into hell. People hate grace. They hate it because they hate our God. And the only way God will save you is by his grace. You must turn to him. You must receive him. And you will look into the eyes of a father who has true character. Because by his grace, he will save your wretched soul. And if you have a son, you have a daughter that goes astray. If you want to be like your heavenly father, you better be ready to receive him or her back. May God help us to be better fathers and mothers. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.